0: you know, obviously he's got a history of injury There or some other issues, but we're taking a chance on his athletic talent and what he can potentially bring to the table. So the trade value was only on potential and the Giants managed to get a third and a sixth for that. But what's interesting about that trade is then it set the baseline for the market moving forward. And what ultimately happened is the Giants were priced out of all other trades. Um, as far as uh, Kadarius is concerned, He is, um, you know, one of the off-season goals was to add weapons on offense. And Kadarius certainly, um, he's a good-sized kid. He's strong. He can run. He catches the ball well. And he's a a very tough kid, and he's got return skills. So um, we were thrilled that he was there for us at, at that spot.
1: The Giants. They may have traded down last night, but they still landed a stud in Florida. The wide receiver
0: Kadarius Tony. Oh, oh wow. yeah, Today's edition of the bur Lesson. I'm going to show you how his dynamic playmaking ability is going to make things easier on Danny Dimes and why New York landed a major steal at pick number 20.
1: And it does allow a guy like Zeke Elliott to take a little bit of a breather. It's a great one-two punch. Here's Tony, who's had a phenomenal game. Adds to it where they have a real weapon you know
0: it's hard to keep your confidence here's another one for tony just toying with the defender lewis like i
2: said i get paid
0: the play not coach so i mean i don't really know what's ahead for me sunday i mean i just got to go out there and be the best player i could be sunday I mean, bro, if I play two plays, one play, and we won, but I don't really care nothing about no getting in, like, it's okay. You want a dollar? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on.
3: Day-to-day right now. Kadarius is working his way back. Um, those were the plays that, I mean, we had more than just seven plays for him, but they weren't called. Um and we'll see what happens this week. Um, the guys that were out there, uh, we had confidence in. We have confidence in Kadarius. I think, again, I've mentioned this before. I don't know a couple of weeks ago with our receiver position, it's a competitive situation, um, and it will be evaluated on a week-to-week basis. So, relative to inactives or play time or amount of plays. Uh, everybody's got to earn their role.
1: Kadarius Tony is going from New York to Kansas City. A guy that played only 12 games in two seasons, the 20th overall pick last year. He did not score a touchdown while wearing a Giants uniform.
2: It's the Giants Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by the great Dan Benton, the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. We're coming at you the day after the NFL trade deadline. Probably the most exciting trade deadline a day I can remember. It was a lot of fun, Dan, even if Joe Shea and the Giants were not part of the, uh, the frenzy, right? You know, when the clock was running out. But of course, the Giants did trade Kadarius Toney to the Kansas City Chiefs, ridding themselves of an awkward and ultimately untenable situation between the player and the team. Dan, it's been a few days since this went down. How, how do you put your finger on the Kadarius Toney uh, tenure with the Giants? It was just weird. Awkward from the start and then even after he got traded last week, it was still weird and awkward, right? Some of the things that were coming out.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It was certainly an unconventional relationship the two sides had. Uh, It's sort of, you know, it's sort of remarkable when you think back to what the Giants thought they were getting in Kadarius, Tony, and what they ultimately got. Um, The regime that took him couldn't find, you know, a successful role for him. They couldn't keep him on the field. Uh, Second regime came in. So even less of a role., uh, they couldn't find space for him. Obviously, there were injury issues. There were off the field, you know, uh, rumors and conversations about you know his rap career, his dedication to the game. There was frustration from his inner circle about his lack of use early in the season. Last year, this year, you've seen him pacing the sideline, yelling, frustrated with his role, with his production. You know, he played in 12 of 24 possible games, less than 50 percent of the snaps in those games left one after being ejected. A few more others, you know, due to injury day one with him was the cleat issue. It's it's certainly been a roller coaster with Kadarius, Tony, that it's not quite over yet, even though he's now in Kansas City.
2: Yeah. And you can see what, you know, the Giants and Dave Gettleman and that regime saw in him because we saw flashes of the skill set. Right. And, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll work out in Kansas City. I don't know, Dan, because you well, look if it at, doesn't
0: work out in Kansas City, it's not going to work out.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so one of the most we 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 mentioned that it was it was awkward at the beginning. You know, he had the cleat issues, right? And then it just kind of kept snowballing from there with the with the weird injuries and, and stuff like that. Uh now he you know, he hasn't really played this year at all, right? What has he got? Two catches or, or something like that this season. Two like catches he,
0: for zero yards. Two
2: catches for zero yards. So he has not and we're like we're at the bye week. Like it's we're going into week nine of the season. Kadarius Tony has been a zero for you all year, and he and it was because he couldn't get healthy, couldn't get on the field, and now it seems Dan he has passed his physical with Kansas City, and he's going to play. You said he's going to be. You yeah, think he's, he's going to be
0: active? He's one hundred percent healthy, just like that.
2: So that's annoying, right? I mean, as a Giants fan, listening to that and then seeing Kadarius, uh, you know. That since deleted tweet that he put out and basically was like, haha, yeah, yeah, I'm injured, all right. You guys don't know nothing, or whatever he
0: tweeted. Yeah, right? that certainly was interesting, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was, it was frustrating, right? Because this whole situation, it kind of sucked. Like when you, when you draft a guy 20th overall and it's a receiver like this, I mean, you're banking on that player to become a key part of your mm-hmm. offense. And this, so this whole thing falling flat and I, it's not a horrible compensation for the player getting a third and a six back. And we'll talk about that. I know you have some thoughts on that. We'll get to Joe Shane and what the giants ultimately did at the trade deadline here coming up in a little bit, but you got decent compensation for him. It's just so frustrating that flat out for whatever reason, he just didn't want to be a giant, right? I guess that's what it came down to. He just did not want to be here for some reason. And it's just hard to put your finger on it.
0: Well, he certainly had a, a corrosive relationship with the media you saw that over his two seasons with the Giants, you know, last season calling media clowns. He he had issue with fans. He, he regularly took issue with fans on Twitter and and would subtweet them or directly tweet them or in some cases direct message them, rather nasty commentary, um, insulting their intelligence and, and and things like that. We saw that in the aftermath of the trade. Uh, credit to the Giants fans who didn't expose that stuff while he was still on the team. But in the immediate aftermath of the trade, they did, and um, some of the, the you know the commentary was, let's just say, immature and embarrassing, and it kind of spoke to the behind-the-scenes issues that obviously existed with Tony, whether or not he wanted to be a giant. You know, I don't know. He got a full back tattoo of '89 in the New York City skyline. It's on true, it it's with true. The NFL logo. So I mean, to some degree, at one point he was committed to the team. Um, how he fell out of favor. With Dave Gettleman, who was so high on him, and Joe Judge, who was so high on him, and then you know couldn't gain favor with Brian Dayball, despite their regular Facetimes, you know that that really started, you know pretty much the moment Dayball uh, was hired as the head coach, they were in communication. But when you know Tony skipped the first day of organized team activities, didn't pick up his playbook, uh, it seemed destined to end poorly.
2: Yeah, I mean as they were saying in that in that little piece that we played to start the show, I mean. Two seasons in New York. Your 20th overall selection yields you 41 catches, 420 yards, no touchdowns. He did get tackled near the goal line a couple times, Dan, to be fair. right? He almost scored a few times, but still, he didn't get in the end zone. Uh, he had one really good game against New Orleans and one ridiculous monster game against Dallas.
0: Which uh, he got ejected from.
2: Like, true, right? Didn't that, that was the one he punched somebody? Yeah. yeah I, so, I do believe so. He yeah, does. yeah. That was the one he threw the punch, and then Joe Judge had a... a A fun presser after that uh saying that we don't we don't want to hurt the other team or something i forget what he said but he said something funny i remember joe judge saying something uh but it was i mean everybody was enamored with his talent right everybody i think a lot of people were were kind of giving the giants an a for the draft pick even if they may have reached for him right there was a lot of or or people upset when they picked tony what was can you remember the reaction from people when they made the pick dan two years ago
0: it was, you know, it was mixed as as most are, but it tended to lean on the side of the Giants kind of reached a little bit and, and maybe, you know, took a guy who was a little bit smaller, had a history of injury problems, which, you know, that did. That stemmed back to his college days. That wasn't new. And obviously there were a lot of concerns about his dedication to the game of football. Did he love the game of football as much as he loved his rap career? And and that was a persistent issue that that remained a persistent issue and a persistent debate right up until the very end, because whereas he wasn't showing up for OTAs, he wasn't studying the playbook because he didn't pick it up. He wasn't on the field. He was constantly injured. Um, He actually he put out more songs on Spotify during his two years with the Giants than he had receptions. So make of that what you will.
2: It's a great stat. So, yeah. So. If people are some people giving the Giants an A for that pick or, you know, we heard Nate Burleson in that in that piece to start the show. He was going to he was going to tell us how Kadarius Tony was going to unleash Danny yeah. Dimes and all this. There, and
0: there, to, to, to be fair, there was reason to believe that he was explosive. Yeah. I mean, you saw it in the moments that he was on the field. For sure. He has a unique God given athletic talent that is unique. and And to say that's unique when you're in the NFL makes it really unique because you're already one of the best athletes on the planet when you make a 53-man roster in the NFL. So to be able to make professional defenders, quality players, all pros um, look humiliated on the field to be breaking ankles, you obviously got a lot of talent. But the NFL, it it takes more than that just natural athletic gift to succeed. And it seemed like Tony wanted to just rely solely on that God-given ability and, and maybe didn't necessarily want to put in the extra effort that could have made him one of the best ever potentially because he does have that kind of talent
2: the talent i was excited about when he became a giant dan but then just some of the stuff some of the the tweets and the comments and then skipping workouts you know what was it the voluntary workouts he would skip those in the off season, just not showing up not being around his teammates he i i was out on this player for you know pretty pretty early i was like you know what i'm kind of sick of this guy already this kt i'm sick of you so I I'm not going to miss him. I think this might be addition by subtraction for the Giants. You get kind of the distraction out of the way. Fine. Uh, it does kind of suck because failing on this pick and yes, it is. A, it's a failure, uh, you know, that you're we had to move on from this player uh, at this point for what the Giants got back. Failing on this pick is a big reason why you have next to nothing at wide receiver right now. Right. I mean, you drafted a wide receiver. You thought this guy would be uh, a key piece of your offense by now, but. Addition by subtraction? I mean, did you shed a tear, Dan, when this went down? Like, what do you think as a fan? I
0: wasn't surprised. I mean, I think I said it on a podcast. I certainly wrote it on Touchdown Wire. You know, we did a a network-wide article that was, you know, name the person, the player in your team that you cover that's going to be traded. Kadarius Tony was the only one that I could come up with. Um, Seemed to be the most obvious. So while there was some surprise among fans, and, and even some members of the media, I wasn't really taken aback by it. He wasn't playing. He wasn't producing um, the fans were certainly beginning to grow tired of him, even his longtime supporters were acknowledging the fact that, you know, maybe it was time to give up on him. And, and Joe Shane obviously felt that it was, he agreed with those fans. Um, they, they shared the same opinion. And, and ultimately Tony was, you know, sent away to Kansas city. And that does speak volumes to the failure of Dave Gettleman in that regard, because it wasn't just Tony uh, that that was a failed pick and he was a failed pick, you, you know, whatever he does, the Kansas City Chiefs from here on out is irrelevant he, he was failed pick for the Giants yes. and part of the reason like you said they have wide receiver issues isn't just that Gettleman failed on Tony it's that he failed on the Kenny Galladay contract as well so the Giants currently are paying more for the wide receiver group than any other team in the NFL and yet they have the worst group and least productive group of wide receivers in the NFL and that stems directly from Tony's failure and Galladay's inability to produce on the field.
2: Yeah, so uh, of course, Joe Shane would go and, and flip these picks that he got for Kadarius Toney for, for a wide receiver that would help DJ and, and Saquon in the offense make a run here. Now that we're 6 and 2 going into bye week, right, Dan? Right? <laughs> All right, we'll get to that here coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups for week nine.
1: This is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting.
4: interesting. Corey Benigni with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week. Number 9. Tennessee is one of the few sources for a viable streaming option in a week with six teams on by. There just isn't a great pool to deal with here on most waiver wires. Tannehill sat last week with an ankle injury and illness, but he has a good chance to return this week. Kansas City offers the best matchup of the slate in week nine, and over the last five games, quarterbacks have averaged 27.5 fantasy points. That's 38.4% higher than the league average over that time. Every quarterback but Matt Ryan has gone into the 20-plus point territory against the Chiefs, and in the event rookie Malik Willis has to start, he's a risk-reward play here that could be in some lineups. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Detroit Lions. No matter how many handles Dillon has seen since week one's 20.1 point fantasy teaser, the results just haven't been there. He hasn't made it back into double-digit PPR points in seven straight games, and he has not scored since week one. If there were ever a week in which Dillon warranted a lineup gamble, this opportunity is worth testing it out. Detroit has given up the third most rushing yards and eighth highest scoring frequency to the position in the last five weeks. Six teams being on their bye amplifies the worthiness of this dice roll. Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Los Angeles Chargers. This is another risky one. Five weeks in a row without a touchdown and no more than 7.5 PPR points has made London basically unplayable. The Chargers return from a bye week without their best cornerback who was lost for the year. The matchup is statistically low-volume TD dependent in his profile. London has the best chance in several weeks of returning to the end zone, though he a risky play based on limited counting stats and a run-heavy offense. Robert Tunyon tight end at Green Bay Packers at Detroit Lions. We're going back to the well here one more time for this matchup. Five receptions a week ago resulted in just 35 yards and no scores, extending Tunyon's lack of touchdowns to four straight outings. He should snap that skid with a trip to Motown to rough up a defense that has given up a score to tight ends every five and a half catches over the last five weeks, and only the Raiders have been weaker at defending the position. Tunyon should be among the best streaming options of the week in which gamers will be scrambling for help. This has all of the hallmarks of a get-right game for the struggling Packers. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle.
1: in Colorado
2: all right as we said in the last segment Joe Shane uh, told us that he was active you know on the phone talking to a lot of GMs uh, there's reports Dan that he was in on some big name wide receivers including Chase Claypool who ended up going to Chicago uh, Jerry Judy of the Broncos Brandon Cooks of uh, Houston who seemed he seemed kind of pissed that he's still a Texan in some of the yeah, things he was bit, saying. Huh? Yeah. He seemed a little upset. He would, have been, he would have loved to be a Giant, I think, and come to a 6-2 and two football team and get the hell out of Houston. Uh, but while Joe Shane says he did make calls for a wide receiver in other, in other uh, positions, he did not end up replacing Tony with uh, an asset at the trade deadline. He had several conversations, uh, Dan, but the price point did not match up. Your thoughts?
0: Let's be honest, when the Giants traded Kadarius Toney, he had next to no trade value. Any trade value he had was strictly off a gamble. And and Andy Reid essentially admitted that in his press conference following the trade, saying, you know, obviously he's got a history of injury, there were some other issues, but we're taking a chance on his athletic talent and what he can potentially bring to the table. So the trade value was only on potential, and the Giants managed to get a third and a sixth for that. But what's interesting about that trade is then it set the baseline for the market moving forward. And what ultimately happened is the giants were priced out of all other trades uh, because they were never going to be able to flip a third and a six for a top quality wide receiver because Tony had already gone for that. So any other subsequent wide receiver trade of any value, any, you know, wide receiver one or even a high wide receiver two was going to be more than that. You saw that with the Panthers, uh, and dj Moore, they wanted a two. uh the rumors are that the broncos wanted a two plus for judy um you know the texans wanted a two or three and more uh for brandon cooks and and ironically those those baselines were set by joe shane trading tony for a, a third and a six so you know inadvertently he essentially priced himself out of the trade market
2: yeah it is fascinating and and the one guy that does, the big name receiver that does move is Claypool, who's like a borderline number one. And he is not. Yeah, only I wouldn't was, even call him that. Obviously. No, either he's, would. I. He's
0: way too inconsistent for that. One
2: hundred percent. And he goes for not only a two, but mm-hmm. a really good two. Like that Bears pick is going to end up. Oh, wait, That's
0: going to be a high pick.
2: Yeah. yeah. They just traded Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn. They traded Khalil Mack in the offseason like they they're gutting it down. And yeah, they trade for Chase Claypool to help out Justin Fields a little bit, but they're not going to win a lot of games. So what, six games, seven games are going to end up winning? They're going to, so that pick's going to be like top 45, something like that, in the in the, in the early 40s. That's a really high pick yeah, for Chase Claypool. So that shows you where the market mm-hmm. was. So I understand why, why Shane didn't really do it. So I think, you know, after the trade deadline, Dan, my initial reaction was, uh, I'm frustrated with you, Joe Shane, right? You know, you couldn't just, you couldn't because if you want a number one receiver, if you want to bring in a guy that's going to transform the offense like a Brandon Cooks or a Jerry Judy, you got to pay for him, Joe Shane. You, you, you don't tell me you got priced out. You know you got to pay for those guys. So ultimately, you want to you want to keep your picks. Just tell us that.
0: Don't lie to us, Joe Shane. Come on. Uh, but I think now that I was won- fair, honestly, I think it was fair his assessment, and and it's something that we've talked about on this podcast. The Giants they have to be realistic about where they are in this rebuild. They may be six and two. But nobody, even them, they didn't expect to be six and two. And are they a legitimate six and two? You know, as Bill Parcells says, you are what your record says you are. But we've talked about it, you know, you and I. They're not going to win in the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl. And and the way you got to look at it is through the lens of, of of where the Giants are as far as the rebuild, their future, their financial assets, and would a number one wide receiver, let's say. They got a Brandon Cooks. Does Brandon Cooks win them a playoff game? Does he send them to the Super Bowl? Does he even help them beat the Eagles at this point? Does that one player put them over the edge? I certainly don't think so. Uh, They have they have holes all over the roster. They need a guard. They need a center. They need two inside linebackers. They need a cornerback. They need a punt returner. uh, They need depth almost every single position outside of quarterback. Uh, Wouldn't hurt to have another running back. They need more than one wide receiver. They need a tight end. So do you really want to wager a first round or even a second round plus picks? On a single wide receiver that's not actually going to improve your team this year. And I think that's kind of the way that, that Shane had to look at it. And and quite frankly, I agree with his decision to stand pat. Yeah, that's that's where
2: I was actually going, Dan. And so at, at in the moment when KT wasn't coming back, they've moved KT and now there's no other receiver coming in. I was a little annoyed. I'm like, okay, so we're not gonna try to help the offense and DJ, but then once you once you sit back and look at it, right. yeah, the Giants are six and two. But we're rebuilding the roster, and they're. I jumped
0: the gun on your thoughts. That's fine. No, that's fine. Let me say it now.
2: I'll do the rant now. It's fine, Dan. Um, I just need to clarify so I don't sound like an idiot to the listeners. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, uh, uh, they're rebuilding the roster. They want their guys. It kind of feels like right now it's more about evaluation than and looking ahead to the future, right? Ultimately, you're not making a move at the deadline and overpaying for one of these receivers. Again, Chase Claypool for that bare second rounder is an overpayment. So you know, you'd rather build the draft capital right now than spend it to win a few more games. So I agree with you. Giants, fans, let's be honest. We all know the Giants aren't winning the Super Bowl, as you just said, Dan. I think they're going to go to the playoffs, which is going to be fun for us and everybody. Um, But they're not going to the Super Bowl. It's not happening. Uh, So it's been really fun these first eight weeks. But yes, the Giants have a vision. I agree with you 100%, Dan. This is where I was going. There
0: Uh, is is one interesting aspect to that, though, that makes this somewhat of a precarious position for shane and the giants to be in it's that if you look ahead to next season and you look at the available free agent wide receivers and then you look at the draft pool of wide receivers it's thin it's not it's not particularly wonderful and it's going to be very challenging for the giants to improve at that position obviously they're going to have an opportunity to do so but are they going to end up with that true number one that we keep talking about and unless one of these college wide receivers really explode over the final half of the season it's a it's a pretty tough position the Giants are going to find themselves in
2: yeah I wouldn't say I've pulled up uh, you know Spo track or whatever looked at it but I I've see everywhere I looked in, everyone talks about how bad the wide receiver free agent class is going to be. Yeah. It's not
0: great at all. Okay. No, Nelson Aguilar is basically the best wide receiver available.
2: Okay. Well, as a Patriots fan, I could tell you that's not great. That's not great. Yeah, well, that, not... that kind of speaks volumes
0: <laughs> about it. And that, that is one of the problems that Shane had to weigh at this trade deadline was, do I give up one of these picks or do I take a chance mm-hmm. on a very thin wide receiver group and an almost equally thin, but slightly better uh, draft pool. So, There is going to be certainly a challenge there at approving a wide receiver position. And, you know, maybe the Giants do have to ultimately make a a draft day trade or something like that. So I wouldn't completely rule out that end. uh, But at least for right now, he wanted to pull those picks. All right,
2: well, we got to figure out how we're going to help the offense get through the rest of the season. It was rough going in Seattle. We kind of predicted that, Dan. Uh, Folks that listened to the podcast last week know that we were not high on the spot So we'll give our thoughts on Giants-Seahawks and look ahead to the bye week coming up next. But first, let's get a free play from the Bet Slippin' Podcast.
1: This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting.
3: Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slipping Podcast. Be sure to check us out and our sportsbook for our Tipico sportsbook out. Tipico is a fast and easy global sports betting leader and is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting and new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. You have to be 21 plus and you can see the site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That said, the game of the week is the Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints, and the way to play this game is the under 48 and a half. The Saints are coming into this game with the league's worst turnover margin, while the Ravens rank 22nd in plays per game. This should be a slow game with the Saints' strength in the run game, countering the Ravens' main weapon offensively, Lamar Jackson. Demario Davis is also the perfect linebacker to tame Jackson. And similarly, the Saints will be going against one of the best secondaries in the league and should struggle to move the ball quickly. Play the under 48-and-a-half.
1: That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call one gambler in New Jersey. one 522 4700 in Colorado.
2: Well, we both hated the spot, Dan, last week. Uh, and you predicted a Giants loss in this one, the great Danton. Unfortunately, we're, we have a bye week, so the great Danton will not be making a pick this week. We have to wait till uh, week 10, folks. Sorry. Uh, I'm not surprised that the Giants lost this one. I'm not going to re- overreact to it either, Dan. But I thought I found a few observations that our friend John Fennelly pointed out on Giants Wire, uh, and I agreed. I was nodding along, along uh, reading his article. We in number in the first point is we've all been loving Daniel Jones this year. We've talked about it at length. This is like the first podcast we haven't been, you know, going to DJ and saying sign him right now. You know, like we we love DJ. We're we're all, we're all in on DJ right now. Uh, but you start this game, Dan, in Seattle, really tough environment. The offense you know, it's struggling anyway. And you put them in that kind of environment, playoff like atmosphere. It's tough. There's a lot of crowd noise to deal with. And you're against a hot Seattle team. And you punt twice in this game before you call one run play for Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones, right? Six dropbacks to start the game, six plays, two punts. You ended up actually going three and out in your first three drives. Yeah. You play from behind Seattle scored first. And that was something that John pointed out in his article on giants wire. And I was like, that's a great point. What what was the game plan there to come out firing the football? Uh, like, was that really the game plan, Dan?
0: That was I, I, I don't like it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it. None of us liked it at the time. We were very confused with what Mike Kafka was doing. Uh, I think maybe they, I think maybe for the first time this entire season they kind of outthought themselves and figured maybe they could catch Seattle off guard and, and come out firing and and they wouldn't expect that. The problem with that game plan is, is that you don't have very good wide receivers and you had two replacement players along the offensive line, including at right tackle where Tyree Phillips was not playing well at all, um, either run blocking or pass protecting, um, particularly in pass protection, the giants are still giving up some of the most amount of pressures in the NFL this season, despite Daniel Jones's, you know, moderate success. And, you know, it just, it obviously didn't work, especially throwing against those dominant Seattle cornerbacks with wide receivers that can't separate. So it was certainly a curious decision to take the ball out of the best offensive player's hand and try and, you know, lean on players like Marcus Johnson and David Sills to start fast. That seems like a recipe for failure, and that certainly was the case.
2: Yeah, you you would think Seattle's, you know, Leaky run defense would be the place to attack with Saquon Barkley and maybe just you know Mike Kafka and company. Maybe they just overthought that game plan, Dan. So maybe they can iron that thing out in the bye week. It's the Giants have not gotten to six and two by being cute. You know they have just played hard nosed, tough football and figured out a way to win by one score at the end. That's kind of how it's been. It hasn't been this cute little game plan where you trick the opponent or anything like that. You really, really. Uh, I do
0: think, I do think the credit is owed to Seattle. I don't, I don't want to, you know, kind of wash over that they had a very good game plan Pete Carroll's a good coach he's a smart guy it's one of the first times this season that the Giants didn't necessarily have the coaching advantage going into the game that's certainly what's benefited them for much of this season Uh, but they didn't have that in Seattle which is a notoriously difficult and loud place to play as it is and we saw that with all the false starts so you know it's credit to Pete Carroll credit to his defense. Uh, they were prepared for the bootlegs. They were prepared for the, all the design runs. They were honing in on Saquon Barkley. They were making the wide receivers beat them, and knowing that you know they couldn't. And and it you know although it was tied in the fourth quarter, I thought they had a really good game plan. And it was arguably the first time all season that the Giants have been outcoached.
2: Well, they might have actually had a chance to win this game, Dan, because as you said, it, it was tied. But Richie yep. James had a brutal game. <laughs> brutal game for Richie James. We got to bring him up yeah. because he was. He was all over my timeline on social media during the game when I was was watching this. Uh, Fans were basically cutting Richie James before the game ended, Dan. They wanted him released. He lost two fumbles in this game. They both uh, led to Seattle Seahawks points, and it was a big reason why the the Giants lost. Not the only reason, but a really big reason. And, uh, well... Well, That's
0: a pretty big reason. Pretty big reason. Pretty big
2: reason. Fans wanted him cut, Dan, but unfortunately... Uh, we don't have any receivers so we can't cut Richie James sorry Giants fans but it was a brutal game
0: it was terrible and I think what's sort of fascinating about the downfall of Richie James is that early in the season as you might remember he was the team's number one wide receiver yes. he was the most consistent successful receiver there was he took four offensive snaps on Sunday four and his two-part returns resulted in two fumbles now you know I don't want to be overly critical of the second one because he did suffer a concussion on that hit, um, that kind of led to that fumble. Yeah, yeah. But still, those those two fumbles were extremely damning, uh, and there was and the Giants just aren't built to overcome that kind of thing. It's just they win by not making mistakes. That's that's been the recipe for their success. Get it into the fourth quarter. Don't beat yourself. They got it into the fourth quarter then they beat themselves. They can't overcome those kind of things. So how, wherever you want to place fault and blame, um, the, the Giants just can't. They can't overcome the turnovers. They can't overcome the penalties. They can't overcome the self-inflicted wounds. They committed all those negative plays on Sunday. And, you know, the result was what it was. I thought, you know, they. I didn't necessarily believe they had much of a chance to win that game anyway. We talked about it last week. I thought it was a bad matchup on both sides of the ball, traveling across the country, playing in a hostile environment against a well-coached team. It just it wasn't a good matchup for the Giants. I think had they not fumbled that, even if they had lost it, would have been one of those games where you look at it and said – this team can compete with some of the other, you know, good teams, the better teams in this league. And I think when the Giants watched film of that game, they sort of felt that way anyway. Um, but they really got to cut down on those mistakes. You can't have special teams costing you the game like that. You, you, they're just not built to overcome that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it was a brutal spot. I mean, the Giants have been one of the the best stories in football, being 6-2 and two with Brian Dayball, Dan. But Seattle is right there, too. Like. They trade oh, yeah, away Russell Wilson for hey, Hall. Yeah, yeah. Geno
0: Smith was yeah. dropping dimes on he's, Sunday.
2: He's playing excellent. I mean, I think we talked about it last week. He's one of the high. He's one of the top three highest rated quarterbacks in the league. You know, going you know overall, and he's behind His like Josh Allen and Mahomes. In yeah,
0: spots was amazing.
2: Yeah, he's up there with Mahomes and Allen in quarterback rating. Now, you you probably saying he's not that good. No, he's not. But still, he's that just illustrates how good of a season he's having. In Seattle, that's a great story. You know, you trade Russell Wilson for a haul. Gino Smith emerges like he does. And Seattle's five and three and leading that division. They're another great story in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah. So a tough spot.
0: They're getting better, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. They're they're good. They're hot. They're hot. It was just a tough yeah. one. So it's fine. The Giants are six and two. The Giants are six and two at the bye. I, we would have taken that. Yeah. We would have taken that. I think
0: think there were some unnecessary overreactions to that loss that were, (laughs) yeah, you know, that was being read way too much into. You know, the Giants are like you just said, the Giants are six of two at the bye. They've been in every single game in the fourth quarter that they played this season, tied or you know at least within one score. Uh, They've had an opportunity to win every game. Um I, I think there's a lot to like about where the Giants are given, you know, their personnel deficiencies, which are obvious and abundant. I don't think anybody can argue otherwise. Um so to be where they are at the bye week, I think it's great. Coming out of the bye week, they've got two really good matchups. You know, they win even one of those two, you know, you're already at seven wins and you're looking at two games against Washington, a game against, you know, the the Colts who are completely packing it in at yep, this point. They are. They just fired their um, offensive coordinator. Yeah, so you you still the Giants still very much have the opportunity to to win some games, maybe even get to ten wins potentially, and, and go to the playoffs again. I don't I don't think they're going to make too many waves in the playoffs, you know, given the aforementioned personnel deficiencies. But you know, there's no reason to overreact to that Seattle loss. It really it, it's just it's not necessary to look at that game and be like, this is who the Giants are. That's that's not who the Giants are. That's who the Giants were when it was thirteen thirteen in that game. Those two fumbles and those, you know, untimely penalties are um, that's an exception to the rule and not the rule itself.
2: Yeah. No, don't overreact to this one. The Giants are fine. They're fine. They're fine. Six and two at the bye. I think the bye week comes at a good time, Dan. They can come at a better. Yeah, let's get healthy and and let's go after this. Yes, I still think the Giants are going to win double digit games and make the playoffs. I'm not coming off of that. I nothing that happened in this game against Seattle changes my mind on that. Dan, I agree with you 100 percent.
0: Yeah, it was a bad matchup, and like I said, credit to Seattle. They they've got a decent defense that's improving. They've got great cornerbacks. It, it just wasn't a good matchup for the Giants. If they meet them again in the playoffs, it's not going to be a good matchup for them exactly. then, then either. Exactly. Um, so let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but I, I like you just said, I wouldn't read too much into it. There was there was a lot of factors. Uh, going against the Giants, whether it was the injuries being on the road uh, in Seattle, the replacement along the offensive line, the two untimely and unfortunate fumbles that are uncharacteristic of the team. Um, it just, you know, they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw. It happens. Brian Babel says it best. You know, at any on any given Sunday, you could be humbled in this league. And that's exactly what happened for the Giants. You know, now they've got two weeks to sit on. You know, and think about a loss after enjoying so many wins. So they're going to come back hungry against a team that's struggling that they've had two weeks to prepare for. It's, you know, it's set up really well for them to rebound nicely.
2: Yeah, and looking forward to talking about the second half of the season next week. We'll be back for that. Uh, that, is, of course, is Dan Benton of the Giants Wire. Dan, you're shutting the computer down for a little while. It's the bye week well, that's for you. Right. We're right? taking some days off. Taking there. some time off. Finally, you get a little break what's what's that's what's nice. on the docket here i'm not going to ask you what's going on the website right now because you're uh, just going to take a break
0: uh no they'll still be they'll of course be you guys are content. always working yeah. <laughs> our off days are, are are you work for three hours <laughs> exactly and you take days exactly. off that's that's one thing fans don't understand when we say oh we're taking days off there are no actual days off we don't get any of those but yeah we'll be enjoying most of the day, days you know it's uh it's cool and and, uh, you know, going to start snowing here soon in the Northeast, so there's not too many activities to have. But, uh, you know, I'll be able to go hiking with my dog and, and you know, take care of my chickens and whatnot. And- <laughs> You've kept them sick. <laughs> quiet. I haven't heard them in a while in the podcast. Yeah, no, they're they're quiet right now. And uh, I bought myself a nice drone, so we'll be out there messing around with that, fun. and then we'll be back for the Texans game.
2: Well, I can't wait. Giants are 6-2. and two. Like I said, we're going to be in the playoffs, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Last year, Dan, we declared the season over, I think, before Week 6. Uh, before week four, actually, we we declared the season over when they were zero three, and, and now, but you know, before the bye week, we're we're pretty much we're pretty much saying we're one hundred percent sure they're going to be in the playoffs. That's a that's a neat little flip. So it's going to be a fun yeah, second half of the
0: season. It's certainly a change, yeah. And and what's really exciting about that, and, and what Giants fans should focus on, especially the ones that are upset they didn't make a trade. That is inspiring for the future. If the Giants are playing this well now with what they've got, Mm -hmm. imagine what happens when they get some consistency, continuity, and beef up that roster. There are a lot of reasons for Giants fans to be excited, not just about this season, but about everything going Mm -hmm. forward. It looks like they finally got it right with this regime. So don't be down they didn't make a trade, and don't be upset when they lose in the playoffs. Be happy that they were there. And be happy about where they're going. There's a lot of reasons to be excited in East Rutherford these days. Yeah,
2: just have fun. They're they're going to make the playoffs, and then we're probably going to pick against them because they're going to run into another buzzsaw. And that's <laughs> And they're going to be on the road, and it's going to
0: be gonna probably San Francisco or Seattle. Yeah. We're so, going to pick you know. against
2: them. It, that's just what's going to happen. I already I already know what's going to happen down the road, but yeah. I'm still <laughs> excited for that game because I don't think the Giants will be an easy out anyway. Even if I we no. pick against them, so. Well. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to continuing the conversation throughout the season and after the bye week. Uh, For Dan, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time.